Hello, my friends, and whether you are returning after listening to the novel Unwoven or joining us for the very first time, this is Oblivion Spin Presents. Welcome. I am your host, as always, Eric Tinsley. If this is your first time joining us, the way this works is I read you a novel or other work I've written at the rate of about 30 minutes to an hour every Tuesday. This is the second novel we're embarking on together, and it is called The Eagle. Although this book takes place in the same world as Unwoven, the first novel we read, it is a standalone novel and a fine place to start. Over the coming months, we will be following around James Porter, a once feared and respected enforcer in the complex who now oversees corrections, as he tries to support his longtime friend, Ren Winston's lofty career goals. James comes to realize and has to cope with the fact that he has lost sight of himself among a cast of colorful and eccentric associates. This book will be quite graphic at times. If that is a concern for you, I list content warnings at the bottom of the episode descriptions. Without further ado, let us take flight. James sat at a flimsy round table in the corner of the bar with his back to the room. He refilled his glass of whiskey from the bottle and once again gestured to offer Ren a drink. Ren once again smirked and pantomimed taking a sip of his empty glass. I told you, James. Empty glass to go with my unlit cigarettes. The bar was dark and hazy from the residual smoke. There was a general din of conversations and laughter. You might as well light that cigarette if we are staying here. Ren finally flicked his lighter and lit the cigarette while I looked around the room. Charming place you found, although I must say I rather preferred the previous one. Pity you wrecked it. Do not start with me, Ren. Ren chuckled. He glanced around the room for a while longer before setting his gaze on the ashtray between them. James looked down at his drink for a moment. He let out a long exhale. I did everything I could. I want you to know that. He finished his glass and refilled it from the bottle. Pardon? I cared about Luna near as much as you did. It broke my heart earlier when she dropped by. He tapped his fingers against the rim of his glass. When it came up in family planning, I did everything I could to halt or slow the investigation process, but damn it, Ren. This shit makes me regret not saying anything. They should have made you two settle down. You two should be down living with all the other little families. Ren tipped his empty cup in slow circles before letting it settle back on the table with a wobble. She wanted her career. You know she would not have been happy confined below the surface for the rest of her child-rearing years. Ren took a labored breath and poured himself a half a drink. God damn it, enforcers especially break those rules all the fucking time and no one ever bothers to call their shit. You only got the shit end of the stick because Denton hated- I know you are not involved, James. You've always been a good friend. Besides, that is in the past, is it not? Ren took a sip of his drink. Just forget you ever saw me looking over a file, alright? Fine, if anyone asks, I caught you reading a book on infectious disease and masturbating. Ren exhaled sharply through his nose. Although, on second thought, I'm sure you just play up the rumor to add it to your collection. It has been a solid career move for me, has it not? Ren's tone did not waver as he spoke. It never did. Not even 30 and third in command of the entire department of people. If you told me this at 20, I would have been thrilled. James inadvertently rocked his head back and forth for a moment before realizing and steadying himself. He looked at Ren. That's why I was transferred to corrections. Thank fuck for Elliot, because standing up for you definitely did not make me any friends in family planning. I'm sorry, James. I did not realize you were caught up in it as well. James held his hand up to shush, Ren. I'm not telling you because I want an apology, Ren. I've had a prosperous career in corrections. Like you said, I would have been thrilled. I just want you to know that whatever you need to do, I've always had your back. Your left-hand man? 
Wren studied James for a moment and pulled what was left of the whiskey out of James's comfortable reach. I'm being serious. I know, James, and I appreciate it. You know I've always had your back as well. I think you should kill the little twerp. Lexington has quite grown on me. I do not intend on killing him. No, I know. You would not kill him. I would. I would even make it painless if you wanted, I just think. That will not be necessary, James. If you're too afraid that I would have too much fun with it, I could have Maury do it. He leaned on the table and clumsily gestured as he spoke. You know she is skilled, just a flick of her wrist and... That is enough, James. I understand you are worried about Luna, but there is no reason for Lexington to cause her any harm. I've already ordered Lexington to pay his doctor visit in the morning. I'll have a talk with Luna while he is out and assess the situation from there. I understand you have regrets about the entire situation. I do as well. However, we must remain focused on the- James could tell that Ren was still talking to him, but could not make the words out over the background noise. He frowned slightly and held his hand up to Ren. Let me handle the noise. James pushed his chair back from the table, stood and climbed on top of it. He looked out at the dozen or so people in the bar. They had not seemed to notice him yet. James cleared his throat. Listen up. I'm senior official James Porter, head of corrections, and I am trying to have a goddamn conversation, so quiet the fuck down or get the fuck out. The noise level dropped immediately, with many of the regulars excusing themselves from the room entirely. James turned on the chair, still standing, to face Wren. I swear, can you believe what a man has to do around here to get a little peace and quiet? People can be so incon- James paused when he saw Wren reaching into his jacket, but before his thoughts could catch up, he was tackled from behind and falling to the ground. He half-turned to face his attacker and ended up on his back, pinned to the ground and being pummeled by a man straddling his stomach. He held his left arm to his chest to protect his gun and struggled to kick up and retrieve his backup revolver from his right ankle holster. The blows to his face did not register. He heard Ren fire his revolver three times with a slight pause between each shot before firing three times in rapid succession. James finally got hold of his revolver and, without hesitating, brought it up to the side of his assailant's head and fired. He glanced to the left to see another man rushing past him towards Ren. He struggled to sit up with the dead body on top of him and aimed his gun towards the man rushing at Ren. He held it steady while Ren kicked the man in the knee and moved out of James's line of vision. When the man fell into the wall, James shot him in the head. James looked around for a moment to ascertain the fight was over. Wren was leaning against the wall looking rather pale. James laughed and coughed before shoving the body off of himself. You look like you have... Mm, seen a ghost. He fumbled a new cylinder loose from his ammo belt and put it into his gun before returning it to his holster. He stood and handed Wren a new cylinder. If you'll, if you'll excuse me now. James held his hand behind him as he clambered out of the dead bodies and stumbled to the bathroom. He dry-heaved for a moment and finally vomited into the toilet. He rubbed water across his face to try to get some of the blood off. The left side of his face had begun to bruise, especially around his eye. He squinted at himself. It would look better in the morning. James stumbled back into the main room to see the lights had all been turned on. Wren was sitting on the corner bar stool, talking to the bartender, and a group of lower-ranking enforcement officials were bagging the bodies. James started to walk towards the center of the room, but Wren put his arm out to stop him. Come on, James, I'll get you home. He held on to James and got him to put his arm over his shoulder. James laughed as they walked out of the bar. Did you see that? There was that guy in the corner, about to get you when you were out of bullets and bang! James tried to gesture his left hand into a gun shape. I got him before he got you. I rather think I was even more there for the fight than you were, James. James...
James groaned and brought his hand up to his head. Ren, the very same. Ren's voice came from behind him. Something dropped onto James's lap. He finally scooted back his head up onto the arm of the sofa and opened his eyes. He was on Ren's sofa, that he had already gathered. He looked around slowly. The room was neat and mostly empty, not much to see. James was in his underclothes, with a well-worn quilt on top of him. There was a cloth bag in his lap. James reached back to the coffee table behind him and groped around his holsters for a second before glancing back to find a glass of water set out for him. He carefully took a sip without sitting the rest of the way up, the bottom of the glass half-balanced on his chest. He liked waking up on Ren's sofa after a night of drinking. There was always a glass of water set out, and it was always quiet. Ren walked into the room and stood in front of the far end of the sofa until James retracted his feet slightly. Ren sat down. Are you hungover now or still drunk? James frowned and mumbled. Hungover, I take it. Good. Then let us talk about last night. What about last night? James squinted at Ren. Ren was not any worse for wear from the fight. What time is it? Ren leaned back on the sofa and studied the painting on the wall. It is nearing eleven. Oh, fuck. James put the glass of water on the table behind him and moved to get up. Do not bother. I already called down and told Dante you'd not be in today. He assured me that Mori was more than capable of running things in your absence. Apparently, this will not be the first time she has done so. James relaxed back onto the sofa and grimaced. About last night, then, James. Alright, we got into a little bit of a bar fight. It happens from time to time. Certainly was not the first. Likely is not the last. James, you cannot keep doing this. Your drinking is affecting your life and work with an increasing and unacceptable frequency. You are not a patrolling official getting drunk on Friday nights anymore, forgetting the fact that you are a delinquency head who, according to your front desk admin, comes into work still buzzed most mornings. You very nearly got yourself killed last night. I very nearly got myself killed. You're the one who managed to run out of bullets and was nearly cornered by that guy. Drunk or not, I shot that fucker right between the damn eyes. Yes, you shot the man I had already incapacitated in the head after he was no longer a threat and completely missed the man coming up behind you with a knife. If you were out of bullets and I missed a guy, how come I did not get stabbed then? You stop him with your psychic powers or something, look straight into his soul. There was nothing I could have done to stop that man from stabbing you, James. You are only alive right now because death seems to have taken a fancy to you. What the fuck is that supposed to mean? Ren glanced at the clock in the kitchen. Look, I do not have time to argue with you right now about how events unfolded last night, James. You were drunk, you were sloppy, you were reckless. As your superior, I am ashamed and disappointed in you. As your friend, I am exceedingly worried about you and that if this continues, I am going to be called down to retrieve your corpse from some dim-lit back hallway. Ren looked James in the eyes. James suddenly saw how tired Ren looked. He was clean-shaven and without any cuts or bruises, but there were dark circles under his eyes. You need to cut back on the drinking, James. I would consider enrolling you in a program, but as it stands, we are far too short in delinquency right now. I cannot physically run the main office, enforcement, and corrections all by myself. Not having a head of enforcement right now has me stretched thin enough. However, if you cannot get a handle on yourself, I will personally keep you under apartment arrest until you have to have a handle on yourself. This is not just about you, James. Your behavior reflects on and affects me as well. James glared at Ren for a moment before speaking. We all have our demons, Ren. Mine just did not happen to have eight legs. He pulled his blanket over his face and half rolled over into the sofa. Ren took an audibly slow and deliberate exhale before speaking. 
I am going to be late if I do not leave now, James. Lock up when you leave and expect to continue this conversation when I do not have an important appointment to attend to. Wren stood from the sofa. The door opened and shut firmly and the lock clicked into place. James listened to the quiet for a moment before he stretched and emerged from his blanket. He looked in the bag. It contained a set of clean clothes as well as a small pouch of his hygiene items. He stood from the sofa and looked at the coffee table. His flask was noticeably absent from the meat pile possessions. His wallet was there with a dry cleaning receipt on top for his slacks and vest. The ammo in his belt had all been replaced and his communicator batteries had been switched out with charged ones. James sat on the edge of the sofa for a few moments before stumbling to the bathroom to get cleaned up. He had to hunch down slightly to comfortably see himself in the mirror. The spot around his left eye was dark and partially swollen. Other little bruises covered his face, but most of them would be hardly noticeable by the next day. After James had cleaned and dressed himself, he considered digging through Wren's desk drawers to see if he could find his flask. But he could not quite bring himself to do it when he thought of Wren waking up at 5 or 6 or 4 in the morning and slipping out to drop off his dry cleaning and pick up his clothes and call Dante and tend to his work in the office. James took the blanket from the sofa and dropped it in the wash. He pulled the books down from the top of the corner bookshelf and dusted where he knew Wren had a difficult time reaching before returning the books neatly. Once the wash cycle had finished, James threw the blanket in the dryer, gathered his belongings, and locked the door behind himself.